everyone. Um, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, it's great being here. Um, we've recovered from our jet lag all the way from China, and it just feels like we're at home here amongst King's Church. It's great to be with you guys. Um, so, so like Richard said, we've spent the last year um, living in China, working as international teachers in an international school in a city that's largely unheard of over here. It's called Ningbo, um, still larger than the population of London, so still pretty massive. Um, uh, and I just want to talk this morning um, about, um, have we got a PowerPoint? Great. Um, about walking and wrestling. Um, I don't know about you, but I love walking. Um, and one of the things we got to do when we were in China is we got to walk for one day along part of the Great Wall of China, something we've always wanted to do. Um, there's something about walking that we love. Have you got the photo on the next slide? Um, there's something about walking that I really love. You know, often I say to Joe, Joe, let's just make a cup of tea. Or, or let's just go for a walk. Because when you go for a walk, there's like an unhurriedness where you engage heart to heart with each other. You share what's on your mind. You share some of your victories over the last week. You share some of the things that you're finding difficult at the moment. But you go in for a walk. There's no distractions. There's nothing around you to distract you. You can just walk hand in hand with each other and have heart-to-heart conversations. Um, did you know that God wants to walk with us? Um, we've heard in the worship how God wants to get close to us, how God wants to be our friend, how God reaches out to us. God wants to walk life with us, day by day. Um, and not just the good days, you know, not just like the days where we're really fruitful and we're really successful and we have a fantastic day and we think, yes, I'm up for walking with God today. Um, God wants to walk with us every day. God wants to walk with us through every season of life. You see, see, we lo- I love walking with God on the mountaintop experiences. I love walking with him when everything is going well, when there's success and when there's breakthrough after breakthrough. And and I think I love walking with God through those moments. But did you know if we want the mountaintop experiences, if we want the fruitfulness and the success and the breakthrough, then there will be times where we have to also go through some valleys, where we also have to go through maybe some disappointments, maybe some frustrations, maybe go through some times when things just don't turn out as we want them to turn out. And God commits himself to saying, I'm the God who walks with you. I'm the God who walks with you through the highs and I'll walk with you through the lows. I'll walk with you on the mountaintops and I'll walk with you through the valleys. I'll walk with you when everything's going well and I'll walk with you through maybe some of those dry times where you're really struggling because I'm committed, says God. I'm committed to walking with you. I am committed to you, says God. You see, sometimes if everything doesn't go as we planned, Um, or if we go through a tough time, 
Or, or when God's promises, they, we sang about God's promises, didn't we? But sometimes God's promises, they, they feel so far away. And, and you can kind of think, oh, am I forgotten about God? Um, you know, do, do you even, you know, are you even here with me right now? But, but here's the great news, guys, that, that even when we make mistakes, even when, again, we heard earlier, even when we mess it all up, when we make mistakes, what's God's reaction? Well, well we get a clue in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve, they, they make the ultimate mistake, when they mess it all up, when the whole world it, you know, is, is fallen um, and devastated by the consequences of their sin, we see God's first reaction. In Genesis 3, verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking, walking, he was walking, he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. What's God's reaction when we make a mistake, when we mess up? Um, It's not condemnation. It's not even punishment. God's reaction, his immediate reaction is, how can I walk with my people? I want to walk with my people. There there may be times even when we deviate from the path, (laughs) Um, when we deviate from the way, when we get sidetracked, um, when other things become more important than him. But is it those times that the prophet Isaiah says, whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Now walk in it. You see, we're, we're all pilgrims here today, guys. All of us pilgrims just trying to journey our way through life, trying to navigate our way through all the troubles and tribulations um, of living in this fallen world. And we're just trying to figure out how can we live out our, our love and devotion and our passion for Jesus through these troubling times. And the way we pursue God's calling for our lives through that, I believe, is encapsulated through two words, walking and wrestling, walking and wrestling. Um, I particularly want to talk this morning about times that that maybe we don't talk about um, that often. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about how do we walk through times of wilderness, you know, A wilderness time may look different for many of us. Wilderness could be the aftermath of of a divorce or or a major relationship breakdown. It it could be the time when you hear that you've lost your job and you think, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills? It it could be the the long journey through through grief or or, or losing losing a loved one. It could be the time where, where the doctor says, there's no hope for you. Um, we can't help you anymore. The time between diagnosis and the time when God heals you and comes through. It could be a time of doubting and questioning. It could be a time where you feel forgotten about. And when we go through those times, when we're tempted to feel lost in the gap, we're faced with a choice. And the choice is this. Do we get stuck in the wilderness? Do we get stuck in the valley? Will we just get overwhelmed by everything that we're facing and get stuck and start blaming things and, and even maybe blaming God? Or will we choose during those times to engage with God, to say, God, this is where I'm at, but 
I'm going to choose right now to draw close to you, not to distance myself, but to draw close to you in the wilderness, to draw close to you in this dry place. Um, And as we draw close to him, God says, I'm going to walk this through with you. I'm going to walk this through with you and, and let's engage together. Let's wrestle it out. Let's, let's converse together. Let's walk it out. You see, guys, for every calling, there's a, some sort of journey through a wilderness because God's people never get to the promised land without somehow first navigating their way through times of being in valleys. The whole story of Israel, God's people, our heritage, um, the whole story of the Old Testament, we see Israel time and time again, God's promised people um, who are going to be a blessing to the whole earth. We see them being in exile, first to Babylon and and then to other empires. Um, A story of God's people in exile, in wilderness, carried away to a foreign land. Or or, or Moses, um, do you know, we've all got callings on our lives. Think about the calling that is on your life. The calling to love Jesus through what you're going through. The calling to be a witness in your workplace. The calling to be um, an amazing husband and wife and to show God, to show everyone what God is like through the way you love your husband or the way you love your wife. Um, Think about those callings. Well, Moses had a calling. And his calling was to lead over a, a million people, God's people, to freedom from Egypt. And I don't know about you, but if I received a call in like that, I'd be like, yeah, I am the man. <laughs> yes, I, God's called me. Um, you know, I can do it. Fantastic. God is with me. And then it's almost like the very next moment, he messes it all up. Um, he, he loses his temper. He reacts in the moment and he kills a man. He murders someone. He's just messed up God's plan and purpose for his life. And he finds himself in a desert. He finds himself in a wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine that, guys? I start to freak out if everything isn't going how I want it to for two months. Um, 40 years, day after day after day in the desert of Midian with this calling that that God hasn't taken off of his life. Did you know that God doesn't take call, give you callings and then take them off your life? Whatever he's promised you, whatever he's called you to be, his calling and his gifting are irrevocable. But Moses found himself in the middle of the Midianite desert. Moses probably thought he'd messed up his chance. Maybe you were sat here and, and maybe over the years you might think, maybe, maybe I've missed it. Maybe... I've messed it up. Maybe you're like me and and you think, actually, I've kind of gone from plan A to plan B to plan C to plan D. I don't know. Maybe I'm at plan X, Y, or Z. Maybe I've exhausted all the letters of the alphabet and I'm down to plan double Z or triple Z. Um, But did you know that God is the master of rerouting? You know, if you find yourself on a detour, don't worry. Because, you know, like on your sat-nav, if you take a wrong turn and... If you're in our car, um, then I'll sometimes get slightly annoyed with my wife about taking the wrong direction. Uh, but the sat-nav, then you hear your sat-nav say, rerouting. That wonderful word. Did you know God is the master of rerouting your life into his plan and purpose? You are never beyond, you are never outside of God rerouting your direction. No matter where you find yourself, God wants to meet you again. 
He wants to give you a second chance. He wants to give you a third chance. He wants to give you a hundredth chance. Um, think even of Jesus. Jesus understands what you're going through. You see, Jesus, like the perfect one, the one who is our great example, he was led by the Spirit to spend 40 days in the desert. Um, that will throw your theology a little bit. But again, we're faced with a choice. Do we get stuck with where we're at or do we choose to draw close to God and walk with him and wrestle this thing through? About 18 months ago, me and Joe had found ourselves, um, we'd led in King's Church, um, which is our home, uh, the church that we've always known, um, the church that we love with all of our souls. Um, We'd been leading in Salford for over seven years. And yet, somehow, I found myself in a place where I'd lost all my grace, I lost all my strength, I lost all my passion. And I don't know why, it just seemed to just sort of happen. And, and when we'd stopped to reflect this year when we were in China, we realized we'd been carrying disappointments and frustrations over the years. And, and we just got to a point where, where I, I'd grown tired and weary. And you know, this wasn't part of our plan. Like, because our plan was to carry on leading in King's Church for the next 10, 20 years. Um, and we had our, our life plan mapped out together. And then this happened, and I just kind of got burnt out. And I think, God, this is not in the plan. So, so we found ourselves at a crossroads, and we thought, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And so last August, we, we left our home here, and, and we, um, well, well, beforehand, we'd heard a word from God, and the word was adventure. Uh, and Joe, we went out one night, and Joe said to me, Kev, I think God's God wants to reinstall in us, to re-put in us this sense of adventure. And I said, yes. I said, because this thing started as an adventure and we want to get back on the route of being on an adventure with God every day. And so in the end, we decided to go on a two-year, um, a two-year adventure to China. Um, but for us, it wasn't just the adventure of going to another country. Because you can have an adventure here um, where you live. But for us, it was also a spiritual adventure and a time of refreshing and reorientating ourselves. We didn't go as church leaders. Um, we didn't go as, as world-changing revivalists to, 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 to change the nation of China. We went. As ordinary Christians with two full-time jobs and three young children, just trying to work out how do we live out our life and love and passion for Jesus. Um, And God clearly led us to China for these two years. Um, And we're convinced, absolutely convinced that we were in the center that God God had had provided a detour for us. But that in the detour, we were in the center of his will for our lives. And yet, it didn't look what we were used to it looking. Because we went from, from being, you know, holding the microphone most weeks and being at the front of the, you know, of the church to being in relative obscurity. We went from being in the public eye to to being in no one's eye, really. We went from everyone knowing who we were to no one knowing who we were. And yet, 
It is through this time that God has done some of his deepest work in us. Turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verse 4 says this. Even though I walk through. Can everyone just say through? Through. Even though I walk through. I walk through. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, guys, we are destined to be a people who walk through the valley, not get stuck in the valley. We're destined to be a people, whatever you're going through, keep walking. You see, the problem is, is that is that when you're going through a valley, if you stop, you get stuck. So wherever it is you're going through, keep walking through it. Keep walking through it. Keep walking through it. Because there will be a time when you come through it and you come through the other sides. And there's, there's two things I've learned about how to walk through times of wilderness. And, and the first thing is this, is, is be honest. Do you know, I find this so challenging. Um, do you know, if you just read the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is a book of honesty, um, where, where people just pour out their heart of where they are right now before God. Do you know, God does not want a facade from any of us. Um, God loves it when we come just as we are, and we're honest with him about where we are. Walter Brueggemann once said, churches... Um, might not necessarily be the happiest places in town, but they should be the most honest places in town. Did you know that church is for before people, not after people? Do you know, when, uh, when I realized that, I was like, wow, I, I'm, I'm always trying to be an after person because we're all heading somewhere, right? We all want to be like Jesus and we're becoming more like Jesus, but we're not totally like him yet. And so we are all here at various stages of our journeys, but we're a before people. We haven't yet been fully transformed to be like him. Um, Jesus said the church is it's for the sick. It's not for the healthy. What Rachel Held Evans, she said this, when we meet, when we have conversations with one another and we struggle to be honest about our difficulties, we should always remember that amongst us there hangs a nearly naked man on a cross, broken and wounded, bleeding and suffering publicly on our behalf. Isn't that just wonderful and glorious? That when we come together and worship, when we come together like this, that when you gather together in homes, that when we break bread, that when we're just conversing with one another, when we're in coffee shops, that there amongst us walks one who, who bears marks on his hands, who, who is publicly bleeding on our behalf, who takes our wounds. Are you feeling wounded today? Are you carrying hurts today? Just know that Jesus is walking amongst us and he's, and he's carrying nail-pierced hands. He's carrying scars on his body. If you're feeling wounded, if you're feeling hurt, then just know the one who is eternally wounded, who eternally carries our pain and our hurt on, his, on our behalf is walking with you. Do you know, in James five sixteen, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. I don't know. I always feel a bit uncomfortable when I hear these things like confess your sins, but it's almost like acknowledge your vulnerability to one another. And there seems to be like this link between acknowledging our vulnerability and and, and, and James says healing. Now, it might be physical healing. It, it might be healing of the heart. It might be healing of our wounds that we've carried for too many years. Um, Jesus, he taught us to pray. And when he taught us to pray, um, he almost gave us a path to wholeness. Forgive us our sins, Lord, um, as we forgive those who sin against us. Do you know, I just want to talk about a couple of examples of the role that honesty plays in us walking out our faith. Um, Peter's the first example. You know Peter, he's on a boat. We all find ourselves on boats, um, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, in our homes. And Peter sees Jesus on the water. And Jesus calls out to him and says, come, come walk on the water towards me. Now, like, I know us like men and women of faith think to ourselves, you know, we might think to ourselves, oh, Peter, he just stepped out and he didn't even entertain any doubts or any uncertainty. I don't know. The more I read it and think about it, I'm a bit unsure because I just wonder, was there a battle within Peter when Jesus said that? Because if I was in Peter's shoes, I'd look at Jesus and Jesus is telling me to walk on the water. Jesus is telling me to share the gospel with someone in the workplace that I'm terrified of doing. Jesus is telling me to pray for the, a sick person and I'm really scared of doing it. Jesus is, is calling us to do something. And Peter stood there. And I'm wondering if there's a battle going on inside of him. I'm wondering if he starts to think to himself, but if I step out, no one in the history of mankind has ever walked on top of water. Like, I wonder if it's going through his head, but this is scientifically impossible because I'm heavier than the water, so my foot is going to start sinking. Uh, but as he's thinking about that, he's thinking, but, but Jesus has said it. So what do I do? I could sink. If I step out, I could sink, but I could look stupid. I could even drown. What if I drown? But Jesus has said, come to me. What do I do? There's this internal wrestling going with on going on with inside of him and yet he made that decision that even if I'm not certain even if I've got doubts even if I've got questions I'm going to do an action even if I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with inside of myself I'm still going to step out anyway and, and it's as we choose to live our lives as though those things were true that's where the miracles happen let me give you another example. Daniel 3, um, chapter, chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Um, Daniel's, Daniel's friends. And they're faced with being burned alive for not worshipping other gods. And this is what it says. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, remember because they're refusing to worship other gods, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it 
and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love this. Like Daniel and his friends, they are an example of faith for us. That like whatever you're going through, Daniel and his friends, they say, you know, whatever situation, my God will deliver me. You know, did you know whatever you're going through, you can think, yeah, my God is going to deliver me. My God's going to change things around going to change things around. There's going to be a miracle taking place. Something's going to change. Something's going to give. But then I love this because if we carry on reading, it says this, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Do you know, I'm really glad that even if he does not, is in there because some of us might feel as though we're in the but even if he does not time right now we we might feel as though we're we're in the gap right now between God speaking and and God's promises coming to pass and but did you know even if God doesn't move as I expect him to or want him to move then I'm still going to make the choice to worship him. Even if God doesn't come through how I want him to, even if my prayer doesn't get answered as I expect, I'm still committed to walking this thing through with him. I'm still committed and I'm going to engage with God and I'm going to wrestle with him and I'm going to grapple with him, but I'm not giving up. I'm still going to worship him because he's worthy of my worship. So number one, be honest, be honest with God. Number two, and this, I love this, guys. Number two, hand in hand with being honest, don't let go of God's promises. Did we not sing earlier on today, all of your promises are yes and amen. I will rest in your promises, your faithfulness, not anything else, your faithfulness is my confidence. When you go through tough times, You know, we read about the parable of the sower. And Jesus says the kingdom of God, some of the principles of the kingdom of God, is exactly like being revealed in the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, when the farmer scatters his field, when God speaks, what's the very next thing that happens? The enemy comes. And the enemy comes and he tries to steal the seed of God's word from our hearts. Do you know when you're going through a tough time, it's like the enemy, he, come in, he, he tempted Jesus three times and got rebuked three times and sent away. And then it says, and then he, he left him until a more opportune time. When we're going through dry time, when we're going through a wilderness or a valley, did you know that's an opportune time for the enemy to come and to try and steal the seed, to try and steal God's promises for our heart? He will try to steal our hope, but he can't steal it if we will not let go of the promises of God in our heart. Mary, the mother of Jesus in Luke 2.51 says, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Joshua, the mother of Moses, said that she hid him for three months, Exodus 2.2. What precious things are you carrying in your heart? Guard them, treasure them, keep them like your life depended on it, because it does. 
Do you know, when taken into exile, the Israelites would sing over and over again. You know, they'd, they'd been taken forcibly from the promised land and, 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 and they, were, they were aliens, they were foreigners, exiles. But they would sing over and over again about going back to Israel. One day we're going back, guys. One day we're going back to Canaan. We might be in chains right now. We might be prisoners right now. Everything might be going wrong right now. But one day we're going back to that land. That land that flows with milk and honey. That land, it's called Canaan. For us, that land, it's called Jesus. Do you know, when we first moved to China, me and Joe, we, we were all over the place. And at times I could really relate with the Israelites in exile. I remember finding myself once sat on the back row with Joe of of a church where no one knew me, teaching in a school as an ordinary maths teacher on the other side of the world in total obscurity. It's all right, we chose to do it, so don't feel sorry for us. But but there was a point at which, God, what what am I doing here? (laughs) What, like... Like, I was leading God's people, like, only, like, a year ago. And, like, I find myself here in China in total obscurity. What am I doing here, God? And, and the words from the psalmist, I remember when, when I used to lead your procession, were, were so real to me. Uh, and in that moment, though, there was a song that came on. And a song, it's by a, a church called Elevation Worship. And it, the song's called Do It Again. And, and these words started being sung. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. I'm waiting for change to come. But I know the battle's been won because you have never failed me yet. And in that moment, I was just going through all this stuff and I'm in the middle of all this stuff going on inside of me. And I just thought, I don't know my way through this. Um, I don't even know if you'll bring us back home, God. I hope you will. Um, But in that moment then, the verse says, I've seen you move, God. I've seen you move the mountains. And I started thinking about all the things that I'd seen God do in the past. And I believe, I believe that I'll see you do it again. Because you made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you again. Your promise, it still stands. What has God promised you? What are the call-ins that God's placed on your lives? What are those walls that, that, that by now you thought they would fall, but you just keep on seeming to go round and round and round? Never, ever let go of the promises and calling of God on your life. <clears throat> and when God's promises feel so far away, I found it helpful to do this. To, to sometimes I'm just like, God... They all feel so far away and I start to feel disappointed and disillusioned and frustrated. And then God will say, but turn around, turn around and see how far you've come. And when I turn around and when I think about how far I've come, when I think about this this 21-year-old lost boy from Bristol who didn't even know Jesus, who had nothing, whose life was a mess... And I started to think about how he turned my life around and, and how he gave me a beautiful wife and he's given me three wonderful children and, and he put my feet on solid rock. I suddenly think, if God has brought me this far, then he's going to take me all the way. <laughs> so, we've talked a bit about walking. Let's talk a little bit about wrestling. 
You know, I've been thinking a lot over the last year about how I can bond with my son. Um, Aaron's six years old, and I've got lots of ways that I can bond with my two older girls. But I'm thinking, how can I, how can I have intimacy with my son? How can I, you know, just have, have shared memories and experiences with him? And recently, he's really started to enjoy wrestling with me. Um, I was okay. Luckily, I'm big and strong, and he'll never actually beat me. Um, <laughs> but what we'll do is we'll we'll get on the floor. <laughs> Someone said not yet. <laughs> never. <laughs> we'll get on the floor and we'll have some fun. And you know, I'll allow him to get me in some holds, and then I'll grab it, and then I'll grab him, and we'll tussle for a bit. And sometimes I'll let him, you know, think he's got the advantage, and then other times. But usually it ends with me tickling him, and him laughing, and us ending up in a heap somewhere on the floor. But when we wrestle, it's it's not laborious, it's not tedious, it's. It's a way that brings us closer together. It creates intimacy between us. Did you know when when we choose to engage with God, when we wrestle with him, when we're honest with him, but at the same time we're clinging on to his promises, do you know what happens? It It draws us closer together. It creates an intimacy between God and us. I just want to finish by by looking at, um, at one man in the Bible. Um, I'm going to call him the man who wrestled with God. Do you know he's a fascinating character? His name's Jacob. And um, at first look, he's not the most obvious candidate for God to use to father the whole nation of Israel, the vehicle um, for Jesus coming into the world. Because Jacob was a man with issues. Anyone got issues here? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have some issues. Uh, Joe's nodding. Yeah, yeah, you do, Kev, you do. Um, Jacob, he he had issues. And um, at the same time, though, Jacob also had these amazing callings and promises over his life. Do you know, like like Jacob, you know, from Jacob was going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a pretty amazing calling. Think about the callings that God's got on this church community. Net-breaking, boat-sinking fruitfulness. Um, a center of healing, um, a multi-community church, um, you know, d- d- reaching the whole, d- you know, the whole region of greater Manchester. Just think about those words. And Jacob had words over his life. And um, let's have a look at Genesis 32. Because not everything works out in Jacob's life as he wants it to. And he finds himself at a crisis point. And in Genesis 32, at crisis point, he, um, he goes to sleep one night. He tries to go to sleep, but he meets with a man. And this is what happens. Verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. That's a lonely place sometimes when you're going through stuff, isn't it? <laughs> he is left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. I love this. It's like God saying, just give me a break. Just like, let me go. And yeah, then Jacob said, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Do you know, this is not a passive acceptance of whatever happens will happen. Que sera, sera. Do you know, 
Not everything that happens is God's will. A lot of stuff happens and will happen that isn't God's will because otherwise we'd be living in heaven right now. Um, Maybe it's struggling to overcome an habitual sin that you can't seem to conquer. God, I'm not settling for this. I'm not going to let you go. Maybe you're facing a circumstance or a situation that seems like an immovable mountain. God, I'm not going to let you go. A commitment to wrestle it out with God. And then verse 27, the man asks him, what is your name? <laughs> like, God, don't you know? Because <laughs> like you made him and his name's Jacob, don't you? What? But that's what God asks. He says, what? What is your name? Where are you right now? Like, like, what is your identity? Where are you finding your identity from? Because I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be real with me. Remember, we talked about being honest with God. God's like, what is your name? Be honest with me. Tell me about where you are at. And, and as that question gets asked, Jacob, he must have remembered about what happened previous in his life because, because someone else once asked him that question. His father asked him that question. He might be haunted by his past just as we can be haunted by our past. And, and his father said, what is your name? And Jacob pretended to be his brother and he gave him a false name. He gave him Esau. And, and it's like God's like, I'm not going to let you go. All those things that have bound you from the past, all those, those things that can end up haunting us, God almost brings them back up. And he says, what is your name? Be real with me. Be honest with me. And he leads Jacob. And, and, and then in verse 28, it says, then the man said, then God said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Do you see, guys, we wonder, where is the blessing? Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And, and I think to myself, oh, it, the blessing's going to be living, ever, living happily ever after. But, but this is the blessing, I believe, guys, that God gives us a new name. That God, in the valley, through the valley, through the wilderness, he transforms us. He transforms us to be more like who we really are. He transforms us to be more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. Because that's the most precious thing in God's sight. Because he loves us so much that he loves us way more than any circumstance or situation we could be going through. And he says, because of that, I'm more interested in you. I'm more interested in transforming the inside of you. <clears throat> Guys, there is an ancient path throughout the ages that Christians have traveled. It's the road less traveled. It's the off the beaten track. It's sometimes uncomfortable. It's often inconvenient. It's not a one-off decision. It's a way of life. And a decision we have to make time and time again. When we find ourselves going through tough times, when we find ourselves going through wilderness times, just know that God wants to help us not to, not to stay stuck, not to get to stay still, but to walk through it. Walking and wrestling. Walking and wrestling. It's the way of the pilgrim. It's the Jesus way. Let's not give up walking and wrestling. Amen.